You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Say that again. Fourth and ten. That's it. Was there there was no toss up around like that? Was definitely not with fourth and ten. Yeah, not with fourth and ten. I felt good with that decision. Didn't work. When decisions when when it goes right, right, it it, it's that's fine. And when it doesn't, I I own that too. And pardon me, I own that as well. And I own that that we that we missed that. And but that that's I. That's what I decided to do. I thought it was the right decision being fourth and ten. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. This is episode 49 of the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. That was Nick Sirianni explaining why he decided to kick the field goal in the fourth quarter of the Thursday night game. 28-14, they're down with around 12 minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter. Sirianni sends a field goal uh, unit out there. They missed the field goal. And he says, very, um, in my opinion, smug. Just, yeah, it's fourth and ten, you know. It's fourth and ten. That's, a, that's, you know, that's all you need to know. We, basically, our offense has no chance of picking up a fourth and ten. So we tuck our tail between our legs. We send the field goal unit out there, and they come up short. No surprise there. Jake Elliott has been not so good since the Super Bowl season as have the Eagles not been so good since the Super Bowl season. But my my gripe here is more with the three play calls beforehand, the abandonment of, of Miles Sanders throughout the game, and then at the end of the game, it seems to work. It's able, You're able to pick up first downs and able to take pressure off of Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts becomes much more effective when the run game is effective. I... How can we continue to see this each week and he refuses to do it? He refuses to mix it in. He says we have to be better. I have to be more balanced. I have to be this. But he fucking does the same thing every week. Every single week. And you could have given yourself an opportunity to go for it. It doesn't have to be 4th and ten. That would, that's my point when I bring that up and I use this this clip. You don't have to... It doesn't have to be a... a you, you know, back against the wall, fourth and, you know, 10, 15, and you've been sacked, and, you, you know, you, you the clock's not run. That's great. That's great and everything, but it doesn't matter if you're not picking up first downs. The, the clock stay, stays the same. You just kick the ball to the Buccaneers, and they run the fucking ball down your throat. I'm just sick of him coming to the press conference every week, and now we still have to look at this guy's wearing, you know, all the guys in dog mask shirts and Julius Irving warm-ups before the game. Like like he's about to go out and... and, and why didn't he just go coach the Sixers or something? This guy is obsessed with the fucking Sixers. Why are you about the Eagles, brother? Come on! You can say I'm nitpicking or... uh, You know, just complaining to complain or just looking for something to be mad about. But you can get away with this shit when you're winning. But when you're losing, man... Everything pisses me off, and especially just the... I'm done with the pandering. Pander to me by running the football. Pander to me by showing that you're growing, showing that you're learning from the mistakes of the past. Show that you know, you're know you worth keeping around, or you're going to help Jalen Hurts get better and try to build your offense to maybe fit his strengths a little bit more. Doesn't seem to me like I, I, maybe the... These quick RPO is, you know, making reading one guy as opposed to the whole field and making a quick decision is trying to cater to him and trying to help him 
not have to maybe go through the progressions or, you know, run a prototypical NFL sort of just, you know, offense, have them keep it in the pot. I don't know. I don't know. But it's not working. And a lot of those designed uh, RPOs and, and where they he has to make a decision whether to throw or keep it or the defense is just giving him the look that he they want to keep him in the pocket. So they're going to continue to give him whatever look it is that they want. I understand the theory of taking what the defense gives you, but you at some point have to just take it. You got to go take what you want. You can't just sit back in your in your and in, in your little slant, you know, option offense, and, and think that that's gonna it's gonna be successful in the long term. These bubble screens and all of this little just trickery, it's not gonna work, man. They were close to winning that game. They, they not to say that they should have or you know, but they could have won that Buccaneer game. I should note that I was in the building. All right, so maybe I'm a little emotional and biased, but it was a it was a baffling decision. And I don't think that that's why we lost or anything. Make no mistake about it. I, I don't, I do not, uh, there's plenty of reasons. I just told you why we probably are losing and the offense is not being successful. Those are bigger problems than him not going for it. I'm not going to spend too much time burying the Eagles. I don't want to do that. I do simply want to say this offense is much better when they use Miles Sanders or the run game, even Kenny Gamewell, but some uh, some form of a running back. And this offense is also much better when Jalen Hurts is able to use his legs and able to create kind of on the fly. I don't know if they're taking that out of his game or if he's just not doing it or I don't know what who to blame. But I will tell you my instinct and my gut is telling me that that we are not getting a fair look at Jalen Hurts' ability as a quarterback with this coaching staff at this moment. At this moment. I'm not saying that can't change. I made that mistake with Doug where our, uh, the, that first season I was kind of enraged and just thought that he was stunting the growth of our, of our players and especially Carson. And I turned out you know, to be somewhat wrong. I mean, eventually it, 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 you know, those problems continue to fester, but... Ultimately, he wound up having an MVP-esque season, and Carson's still a a competent NFL quarterback, and Doug was a pretty good coach, so I I would admit that I was wrong. Point being, as as you know, I like to get sidetracked. I just don't, you know, I don't think we're getting a fair shot or a fair look at at Jalen. I think Sirianni has, if I were to give a grade, uh, in the D's, I mean, he's not failing, but he's pretty close, man. Like, uh, boy, it, it has just not been good. The biggest concern, uh, truthfully, is that the the offense shows no life. They don't move the ball, not even consistently. I mean, they were able to move it against Chiefs and really bad defenses. But even a somewhat competent team, it just takes them three quarters to get activated. And once they're activated, they look they look competent. Jalen Hurts is running. He he's you know moving out of the pocket, making plays you know on the run. There was a great throw to Quez Watkins on the sidelines in the the drive that I was talking about. Jalen Hurts can do great things. Sirianni has shown that he's been able to draw up plays that can score touchdowns, and he's we've been able to put drives together, but we just lack the consistency. And maybe that's because he's we're a first year combination and. 
you know, there's only time to, uh, like we continue to say on this podcast, I'm Matt McSweeney. I'm a big believer in it. It This is a just a one-season-long audition for everyone involved, the quarterback and coach, especially get one year together. We will see after the season. We will evaluate it whether we want to keep one, the other, or both. And then uh, in the words of the great Jalen Hurts, you know, rent is always due, and we will continue to just – keep track of what's going on and see how they progress throughout the season. It has not been easy competition-wise playing an offense like the Chiefs, playing an offense like the Buccaneers, playing an offense like the Cowboys. Defense, you know, a couple games let us down. Since then, they've kind of turned things around. Offense, a couple games have kept us in it. And now that's completely turned around. Maybe just one game. If I look at the Chiefs game is the only game that they kind of really hung around in. The Falcons game was just domination on both sides of the ball. You, you could make the argument that the defense has been better this season. So I, I, I don't I don't think I, I want to beat the beat the dead horse too much. We are still we're two and four. We have the Raiders coming up this week. Raiders are obviously in a little bit of turmoil, but they were able to get through that and take out. You know, take care of the bucket or the, the Buccaneers, the Broncos. Too many bees in my head. Yeah, but they took care of the Broncos, and now it's it's not so much of a good feeling walking into Las Vegas as I maybe had felt when when the news was dropping that they were going to be losing Gruden and they're you know they're just everything sort of you know it's never good when there's drama surrounding your team. You know, no matter how it's created, it's just not good. A distraction away from the from the field is just. Another opportunity for your opposition to just be more focused, more locked in, more ready to go, and just take you out. But they showed it's not that's not going to be a problem. They're they're still here. They're still a very competent and good NFL football team, and we're going to have our hands full in Las Vegas next week, looking for the offense to look much better, like like we said, and looking for the defense to continue to. To hold hold up their end of the bargain, they they've been good so far. The secondary has been a a not a surprise, but it just a a I guess I guess it is a, a pleasant surprise should be the word. Uh, it's not shocking or anything, but it is a pleasant surprise. They've played they they've been much better. They've played better. You have a you have competent corners out there. Steven Nelson, Darius Slay, both very. I mean, Darius Slay is pretty elite. And Steven Nelson on the opposite side is very much holding his own. Avante Maddox there in the in the in the slot. That's pretty awesome. That's very that's, that's, in comparison to what we've we've had in the past and what we've dealt with. Watching the Bradley Fletchers of the world, guys who are just continually getting cooked and getting burnt. Jalen Mills waving his finger after he just got burnt by you know on a seventy-five yard double double move. Where you, ta- where you have to run the guy down, tackle him at the five, and he's pumped that he made the tackle. Hey, man, it's good to act, a good breath of fresh air to actually have a secondary that you can rely on a little bit. Defensive line has held their own. Linebackers continue. I mean, it was a shame watching Alex Singleton get ran over, over and over and over again. But. All in all, the Eagles. If you know, if you had to give the overall, they're right in the middle. It's a C, I'd say. 
They haven't. They've impressed me in some spots. They've disappointed me in some spots. It's really been a roller coaster. Come off the win last week, and then they play the way you know they they show good signs against the Bucks. The Bucks are obviously the defending Super Bowl champions, but like I expressed, it was a winnable winnable football game. Need to see more from Hertz. Has a ton of capabilities and talent ultimate preparer seems like he is a great leader the the locker room respects him he he loves being here you know all all he has all the signs of being your franchise quarterback and somebody that you could build around you just need to see a little bit more need to see a little more need to see a little bit more from Nick Sirianni i need to know he's not damaging him or not setting him up to fail I need an offense that's a little bit more catered to the strengths and weaknesses of Jalen Hurts. I need I need a little bit more run game, obviously. This not even a little bit more. I need a lot more run game. I don't see the problem with lining up under center every once in a while. Obviously, we're never gonna do that. They're I don't know if he's not comfortable with it or they know what we're going to run underneath. I don't understand the the thinking or what what it is there. He's the football guy. I'm not. But we are very predictable. We are easily, very, very easy to stop. And we take way too long to get going. And all of those things need to change. Raiders next week. Let's hope that we can, you know, our offense can turn it around and our defense can continue to play well and coach figures it out. After the game, Zach Ertz was traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a sixth round pick or fifth round pick and Tay Gowan who is the University of Central Florida cornerback drafted last season you know not not a horrible trade better than I guess you know releasing him or getting a, a basically a nothing for him what like we thought we were going to I mean Essentially, what we got is, is could be considered nothing by most, but taking a shot on a cornerback who you know may be good, may not be good, but he's very, very young, very early on in his development. Another draft pick and seemingly in the hot zone for Howie, which is you know late round picks. That's the only thing the guy can hit on. He can't hit really on first round picks, but later the better for that guy. Must be no pressure or some something in that department, but. At least it looks like Devontae Smith be figured out that first round pick. He looks good, bro. But I did like you know what? Let's talk about Zach Ertz. Traded. He had a couple things to say, man. I mean, all time Eagle. Probably the best tight end in Eagles history. Huge part of the Super Bowl run. You know, Carson's basically Carson's number one target throughout that that run and the year after, and. And he's been here. He's he was with. He's been through a lot, and he's just seen a lot here in Philadelphia. And he's always showed respect, showed love, and loved loved it here. So he embraced the city. He didn't have to wear Julius Irving warm ups. He didn't have to, you know, wear patches on his hat for guys who've been hurt, like they're dead. He, he just did it through his through his work, through his through his through grinding. They're keeping his head down, playing hard all the time. 
never really letting the criticism get to him, which is much easier said than done. I'm not sitting here and saying that's easy, but maybe there's a couple lessons that a certain number 25 could take from some of the things, you know, that that Mr. Ertz had to say, not Mr. Hertz, Mr. Ertz. And I'm going to play you a clip of him talking about when the trade was about to go down. You know, you're going home. You know, one of the things that kind of irked me um, the past couple of days is when I when this was coming about and people started to know about it, uh, they're like, well, you know, you're going home. You're going back to California, Julie's home, and um, this is home. Philadelphia's home. And that was tough just to kind of articulate that to people that I love this place. I've said it all along. Um, and it's a great opportunity to be here, and I loved it here. I did the best I could every day. And that's all, that, that right there, that last line, I did the best I could every day. That's all, that's all we've ever asked for. Any Philadelphia fan has ever asked of any athlete is that they do their best every single day and that the you know they don't blame me because okay, I'm just a guy in the stands you know Mr. 25 and and some people have liked to blame the fans in the past some of the sixer people you know I'm, t- I'm looking over there in Camden over at the complex it is not our fault when you come up short it is yours and we were just sad about it okay that's, a, that's about as far as it goes. We may blame you for this, this, and that, but that's a totally emotional response. We want you to succeed because that means we are we can feel a little bit of part of that success. And we want you to be accountable also. When things don't go well, we will say, we will say this, that, and the other. You should have done this. You should have done that. And the easy response is, well, you've never played the game. You would never know. But I don't think any, you know, I just think a little bit of accountability never hurts. Owning up to maybe not playing well. And, you know, I'm going to play another clip from Zach Ertz. He kind of talks about what I was kind of just laying out. The key difference between those who succeed and are accepted in Philadelphia and those who flame out. I got the previous clip from John Clark. This one is from Tim McManus's Twitter. But I just want to play this from the start. You might hear a little bit of... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, obviously when I was young, I think a lot of young players struggle with this. You know, you've been, you're told for so long how good you are. In high school coming out, you're typically a pretty good player. You're a big-time recruit. You have college coaches telling you how good you are. You get to college, you're not great early in your career. You get to the end of your college career, everyone's telling you how great you are. And you kind of sort of expect it. Um, in society today, I think a lot of people kind of expect they want to be told how good they are, and it's just not the case. It's not reality. It's okay to be told that you're not playing great. It's okay to be told that you need to be better. And in reality, no one should have to tell you that as a professional athlete. I could tell myself if I played well or if I didn't play well. I could tell you exactly how the fans are going to react based on how I played. I don't need them. To, I mean, I know. So it does for me. It's you should know when you just don't play well. What it is. Uh, he's right. You can't take it for more than what you, it is. Uh, you, These people everyone, love their on, team. Real quick, they love pause this. Everyone in life knows when you don't do whatever it is that you do, you, you knew if you didn't play well, 
So you play an instrument. I'm sure you knew if that sounded good or not. If you do anything, you you presented you presented a, a, a the new pitch for an idea at your job, and you come out of that pitch, you're like, "Geez, that sucked." You can't be shocked when your boss or the people you work with went, "Man, that was that was bad," because you already know that went bad. That's like anything in life. That's my point. You can't be shocked when people point out the fact that you didn't play well because you should be the first person to know that you didn't play well. 2-5. Eagles, they love their players. This, this city loves their players. And they want to see us succeed as much, if not more, than we, than we want to succeed. I don't know how true that is, but I like, I, I like the sentiment. Thanks for making me feel good, Zach. And so for me, that's just it's what I loved about this place. People were honest. People... They're blunt. They don't care about you apologizing on a game on social media if you played poorly. They want you to see you put in the work Monday through Saturday to get better for Sunday. And for me, I think that's what I love. That's why I think I resonated in this city. It's because all I knew was how to work hard. And that's why I love this place. And that's why we like you, Zach. Because you got it. You got you you understood it. You understood what we what we asked, what we want. And you always 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 delivered. Always played always played as hard as you possibly could. You had some great seasons. You had some seasons where you were injured, but you always tried to play through it and just nothing but respect for Zachary. It's number eighty six. Possibly could be you know, in the possibility of being retired. You know, down the road, he's definitely a guy who will be put in the ring of honor. Just a guy who deserves the utmost respect from Eagles fans, and he got it from me. Guy scored the touchdown to win the Super Bowl for us. Not well, not necessarily win the Super Bowl, but solidified it. And I'll always, always have respect for him, man. Good luck in Arizona. And he's a guy who seems like he will always—he's Eagles legend. He'll always be around the organization. Same could go for Nick Foles when he eventually calls it quits. These guys will, you know, always be around their legends, man. They 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 they're a part of history, something that no team before them in this city had ever done. And they'll always have the respect of every single person who's a true Blue Eagles fan. Ride or die, baby. Ride or die. Love you 86. Good luck, like I said. Maybe some athletes over in the Sixers department could uh, take take the advice of a one Mr. Zach Ertz. You know, to me, it's not good. It continues to be not good. Now Ben Simmons is, like, practicing. It's not in game shape. The team's going to continue to be asked, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, questions, Ben Simmons-related questions. Tobias Harris said he talked one-on-one with Simmons, and Howard Eskin asked him, you know, what was that conversation about? And obviously you're not going to – he's not going to tell him the word-for-word what they said or what it was like, but – to me, it's more about the snarkiness in this answer, the little, you know, the cocky, you know, I don't have to answer to you, or I'm not going to talk to you, Howard, and stuff like that, which, oh, it's great, it's Howard asking, who cares, whatever, but let's just listen to it. Came back. I'm not about to ask, I'm not about to tell you me and this man's conversation, right? Like, like this, this I mean, man. I'm curious why he came back. I know, but you're curious all right, so he asked him, like, I'm curious why he came back. He just asked him about the conversation. Obviously, you're not going to tell him about the conversation. Just say, yeah, it's a private conversation between 
between me, me and Ben, you know, we're going to keep that between us. Uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, season and looking forward to getting them back out there on the floor and uh, us growing as a team. Just come up with the uh, milk toast answer that we I probably would shit on uh, anyway, but it's better than than whatever this nonsense is. What? Why he came back? I didn't ask him that. Okay, yeah, he probably did. That's true. That's not the start. Hey, hey, bro. Hey, Ben. Why'd you come back? All uh, right, yeah. So you can obviously see he's taking the heat on this. You can see his face. He's like, you know, I obviously didn't ask him the first question. What? What did he come back? You know, why'd you come back? Yo, bro. Why'd you come back? That's not what he said, you know? Pretty simple. He didn't say it, like, but he just asked, you know, he could have just stuck with the first one. I didn't ask him that. No. So I didn't ask him that. In our conversation, as being a teammate, honestly, Howard. All right, so there you go. Stops. Our conversation, being a teammate, stops, looks, looks at his badge, Howard, real disrespectfully. Yeah. I'm not telling you that answer, all right? All fun and games from another guy who didn't perform in the biggest moments of the season, who has, without question, underperformed his large, large number that's next to him as a, in, in regards to millions of dollars that he makes to play basketball. And I guess you could argue that that is because he's a third wheel, a third option, and he's forced to become a second option when you have a guy like Ben Simmons. I'm all for that argument. I don't want to shit on Tobias too much, but I just don't like the snarkiness. I get that it's Howard Eskin, and that makes it automatically funny, and it is funny. But it just creates more and more stuff to talk about. And we continually fuel, you know, fan the flames when it comes to any sort of drama regarding Ben Simmons. Nothing goes away. It just continually persists. And I I guess that's what Ben wants. It's not what the Sixers want. We want as low-key and this seemed to be as normal as it possibly can be. We need milk toast vanilla answers. We need to go into the season. We need to have a little success. And we need to get lucky and hope that somebody becomes available or somebody comes to us with a godfather offer. Because it seems like the Sixers aren't moving him unless they get said offer. And I do not blame them. We've talked about it a ton. I don't know if Brogdon, Levert, and the first do it for you. I don't know if it does it for me. I do want this resolved as soon as possible, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to be. He's going to talk tomorrow. That's that's what the word is. Today, today is Monday. He's going to talk on Tuesday. And maybe, you know, he gets a chance to resolve this or at least put to bed some of the uh, narratives or things that are being said. Maybe he holds himself a little bit accountable. Do we Do we actually think that's going to happen? No. I imagine he gives the milk toast answers that I'm asking for, the absolutely bland vanilla answers. I'm just here to play. I'm here. I'm here. I don't want to be a distraction. You know, uh, I don't like to. I don't want to talk about what happened during the off season. Uh, I, I've been work. You know, I'm, I'm working to get better every day with this team. 
I imagine that some of the stuff we're going to hear, I, I don't imagine we're going to hear any sort of like Aaron Rodgers truth session where he tells us all the problems that he had and resolves all the all the animosity and we can just move forward with the season. That's probably not going to happen. If I had to guess, he's going to make this as difficult as possible. And we will continue to have this go on and persist and fester and stew and all the words that involve something just staying there. Because I just don't think it's going anywhere in the immediate future. I don't think Tobias Harris making jokes or downplaying any sort of Ben Simmons situation or... No one has really played well enough to do any of this. These guys are trying to act as if they've won something that they haven't and that we should just be... Like, we should be bowing down. And we've been graced with the presence of the Sixers, the former number one seed who got knocked out in the second round. We shouldn't ask questions. I get that these questions are stupid, and I understand that he has probably been asked these dumbass questions over and over again. But those guys have a job to do, and you are just making their job much easier and your job much harder by giving them shit to talk about, which in turn will mean that question after question will continue to persist about, you know, obviously it's just going to continue to happen, so maybe he's just sick of it, and it doesn't matter either way. I understand that argument as well, but I just never like making some more of something than it needs to be. It's what Tobias did. Sixers open up on Wednesday night. It remains to be seen if Ben's going to be joining them. Word is from Doc that he's not in game shape. He's close, but he's not there yet, and that they will wait and see as to whether he's going to be in the starting lineup or even like active and ready to play. They open up with the Pelicans and then the Nets on Friday night, so it is a nice test early on. No Kyrie, obviously. That situation continues to fester as well, where he will not get the vaccine, and therefore he will not be allowed to play in any, you know, in any of their home games. And the Nets have decided they will not allow him to be a part-time player, and honestly become a continual distraction throughout the season and a talking point. They kind of just want. You're either all in or you're all out. And right now, Kyrie's all out. And who knows when that'll be resolved or when we'll see a maybe even a trade or maybe he gets vaccinated. I mean, you never know what, what could change in that situation. Again, very, very, I think a big thing is us hearing what Ben has to talk. I, I just, I wish they would have done it today, not only for myself so I could sit here and talk about it on the podcast, but the day before a game. We, we obviously don't know if he's going to play or not, but it's just another thing to talk about and something that's going to hang over the boys' heads going into that game on Wednesday. I guess we, we, we uh, honestly will see. Like we always say, we will see. I'll be here to talk about it. We'll have the MMA Shoulder Strikes podcast on Wednesday where we will talk about the UFC from this past weekend, UFC upcoming. Bellator was this past weekend. Vadim Nemkov retains his title. He'll fight Corey Anderson at the end of the Bellator 205-pound Grand Prix. We'll talk about that all tomorrow. Flyers opened up with a uh, shootout loss against the Vancouver Canucks. 
and they will have the you know their first ever inaugural game against the Seattle Kraken coming up this weekend. Or not this, I'm sorry, not this weekend. Tonight, Monday night. So the Flyers will continue to roll on. They looked a little bit better. You know, well, obviously it's only the first game. You know, we would have wanted to win. We got the point. They fought back. They were up. They gave the lead up. And, uh, you know, pretty cool goal to tie the game there at the end where Claude's calling for the pass off the boards. He gets it, puts it right up there, top shelf, or right up there to the left side, whatever. You know, some hot, some some puckheads probably getting pissed at me. But it was a, a encouraging performance from the Flyers. Obviously, you'd like to see a win, but... Excited for the game tonight, man. I'm, I'm locked in. I told you, boys, I'm locked in. And I will continue to be locked in all season. Be looking at Carter Hart. I'll be looking at it all. Ryan Ellis looked awesome. I'll be excited to get Kevin Hayes back. We'll be excited to... They got Flyers have a lot of weapons and a lot of talent. And it's all all about putting it together. And this year especially, it seems like with them resolving the defense, they just look like a much more competent hockey team. And I'll be excited to see them at full strength later on this season. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to lie to you. I usually do a football segment where we talk about the football games from this past weekend. But it seems to me that that, that segment in the past has uh, drug on a little bit. So I'm not going to waste your time. We are a Philly sports podcast. We spent plenty of time on Sirianni. We spent plenty of, not plenty of time. Most, most of this podcast is about the old, the old Eagles like it will be throughout the season. But now we'll have a little bit more Sixers, a little bit more Flyers to talk about each week. Phillies will still be uh, you know, working out through the free agency and the offseason, the winter, winter meetings and stuff like that. You'll have little notes and tidbits to talk about throughout the year. The MLB playoffs continue to rage on. The Braves are up 2-0 on the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean... I don't want to hear anyone use the excuse. You you uh you are the highest level of delusion if you think because the Braves are having this kind of success that the Phillies were this close or that close to being in the same position or be, you, now. Don't even go there. They're not even in the same stratosphere as the Atlanta Braves. And they showed you that in their three-game series when when the money was on the line. We got smoked. We got swept. We were not even close, and we should be in the offseason acting appropriately and trying to overhaul this team to try and even get in the same neck of the woods as the Atlanta Braves. And we will continue to talk about it on here. There's things we can do, things we we can hope we'll do. We'll, that all involves spending money. I am really curious to see... What Ben Simmons does tomorrow, though. Like, what he says, all of it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. I'll be back, like I said, on Wednesday, and we will have a Friday episode. We're going to probably be doing three a week now due to the, all the seasons starting, more to talk about, more to discuss, and I am always here to discuss. I thank you again for joining me.